Um, so I told you guys, like, May is a weird month. Uh, we have a lot of different things going on. Don Izell is coming next week. You guys are going to love Don. I almost stole some of what he's going to say next week for my sermon today, and then I looked at him and I said, that's not fair. So I'm not going to do that. Uh, be here next week for Don. He's going to he's gonna do a great job. He always does. Then in two weeks, we're going out to Red Top, and we're actually going to have worship out at Red Top. Um, on Sunday morning, and then Memorial Day weekend, we'll be back here, and we'll be doing service to service. We're making sandwiches uh, for the Table on Delk, if you guys are familiar with the Table on Delk. So that's taking us through the end of May. And so really, I had an opportunity this month to just say every week, God, what are you laying on my heart? What's going on? What's important? What do you want to say about that? And, and so this week, I got to do something that is like one of the best parts of my job, which is I got to go spend time with some people at Burris Elementary School. You guys know Burris is just down the road. It's 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 our school if we were a home um, here in Highlands. For some of you guys, it is your school. Um, and I, I get to spend time talking to teachers and to administrators and to parents every week at Burris, and I love it. And, and one of the things uh, that I got to do this week was spend some time praying for some of the teachers and the administrators at Burris. Uh, and here's what I'm learning as I go through that process with them. Um, they are all still worn out all the time. Like they, they are, are just, just worn, worn out, out, burned out, beat up, and it's and not, not just, just the school year, year right? right? It, it is, is like they, they are still experiencing, experiencing honestly, COVID, COVID. And, and, and what COVID, COVID has, has sort of done to their lives and to their jobs and to their students. I don't know if any of you guys uh, saw this week, but the New York Times had an article that um, was not surprising to anybody who had a kid in school over the last two to three years. They were like, oh. Like, being out of school wasn't great for kids, right? Like, it wasn't great. And they are, they are in some ways, further behind than we would have imagined and than we ever could have thought. That it was, it was really hard on kids to, to not be in school over the past few years. And, and, and they have not just bounced back. And, and then I read another article, uh, the Washington Post had an article this week that talked about uh, we, were, we were supposed to, I don't know if we did or not, but we were supposed to, it, it looked like we were going to hit a million total deaths from COVID uh, this week, um, which is a big number, no matter how you, you deal with that. Um, and, and the article said uh, a million have died, but millions of more are still living with and processing the effects of COVID. Um, and, and so I was thinking through all of those things. Then I was thinking about the people I know uh, that have quit jobs or retired from jobs or the people I know uh, that have quit marriages or want to quit their marriage or have quit families or have quit hoping or have quit coming to church or have quit and have quit and have quit and are still struggling from the effects of what have happened to us for the past few years. And, and kind of the conclusion I came to, and Lou and I were talking about this this morning, actually, I was saying to Lou, I think we all thought there was going to be this thing with COVID where we were going to be like, all right, we're done. Everybody take two weeks off. We're going to celebrate. We're going to party hard. We're going to recover. And then we'll all get back to normal. And like that never happened. It never happened. Things just sort of like slowly kind of changed a little bit, and they changed some for people over here and then not for people over here, and then, then they changed for these people and, and not for these people. And we, we all kind of got back into some sort of rhythm of life that for most of us is not the same. And to be honest, for most of us, 
is is still us walking with the words of the past two to three years. That that we didn't get an off season to recover from COVID, and we kind of needed one, right? We all kind of needed an off season. We all needed some some rehab and some rethinking and some refocusing, and it, it never happened. And so so what's going on is we're all sort of just waiting for that point still. Is that most of us are just kind of waiting for this time where we're going to heal. And it's it's not just COVID. It, it's, it's a lot of things that have happened in our world over the past three, four, or five years. And if it's not the big things for you, it's the small things that have happened for you over the past three, four, or five years. Or maybe your life. And, and, and you're waiting for this off-season. This, for most of us, if you're not an athlete, and I don't know, Brandon, I, I feel like teachers have a little bit of an off-season. Is that right? You get a little bit of a summer, but it's never enough because they shrank it. Right? Most of us don't have an off-season, and if we do, it's not long enough to really heal. And, and so today, what I want to talk about is how do we live fully, how do we live whole, even in the midst of chaos, even during chaotic times, all right? So to, to, to set the stage, I'm going to give you guys, I'm going to ask you guys to fill in a blank. Go to that next slide, all right? So I'm going to ask you to answer this question first for yourself, and then I want you to fill in the blanks for other people. So either right now or think back to a time in your life when you said, once I get through blank, I'll start to focus on blank. Right? Like the constant refrain in my life is once I get through this month, I'll really start to focus on saving money. Right? Like that's the one that always seems to, to move on. I'll, I'll really figure out that. Once I get through blank, I'll start to focus on blank. So where would you fill in? What would you fill in for those blanks? Either right now or at some point in your life. Sometimes it's physical health. Once I get through the end of this month, I'll start eating better. Once I get through whatever, I'll start this. All right, does that make sense? All right, so y'all take a second, fill in the blanks, and then talk. And if you can't fill in the blanks, this is your coffee chance. Go for it, all right? Go. You got a few minutes. Talk with the people around you. You got to talk with the people around you, not just the people you came with, all right? Go. So, so here's the thing. Like, I was, we were talking about this in one of the groups. I was listening, and I was thinking, like, one of the things you learn is, like, Either you're never going to get through blank, or once you get through blank, there's another blank, right, that you've got to get through. And so, like, chaos, problems, conflict, they, they're a constant part of life, right? And a lot of times, chaos can stop us from pursuing getting healthier in whatever area that is. But we also know that most of the time, even though chaos can keep you from getting healthier, most of the time chaos is honestly where our lives actually change and transform. And I was thinking the perfect example of this this week is since it's Mother's Day, right? Becoming a mother is a chaotic moment if you've ever been a part of that. Right? It is, it is chaos, but it is transforming. Right? And for me, as I was in the room 
as my wife became a mother, that chaos was very confusing to me <laughs> and very disorienting. It was also very clarifying. I was very aware of what I knew and didn't know, what I could handle and couldn't handle, right? Where I belonged and where I had no business being in those moments. And, and so in, in the midst of chaos, we can be confused, but we can also find clarity. And, and really the difference between finding life in chaos and sort of dying or, or wasting away is often knowing the right questions to ask. Is that asking the wrong questions in chaos can end up hurting us. But asking the right questions can actually allow us to live fully in the midst of chaos. And so, so that's what we're going to spend a little bit of time doing today. We're going to look at a story in the scriptures about Jesus and the disciples in the middle of chaos. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick an area. All right. They're going to, I'm going to give you some options. They're going to come up here on the screen. Maybe. She's had a long weekend. It's, it's moving a little slow today. There we go. So I give you these, I'm, I'm so sorry. I give, I give you these areas. That was chaos for you, and I wanted to see if it was clarifying. Uh, so I've given you these areas. I've given you these areas before. I want you to pick one, and if you don't like any of these, I want you to pick an area in your life where you've got some chaos right now or some conflict. It doesn't have to be huge, right? It can be anything from, like, a fight you had with a friend to, like, a serious health issue or end-of-life planning, right? It can be anything. I want you to pick an area, and I think that as we look at this story and we see these clarifying questions, I think they can be helpful in every area of life. So you guys have a little piece of paper. You've got a piece of paper there. You've got a pen near you. I want you to pick this up. We're really going to participate together today in this, all right? There's a pen somewhere around you, and there's a piece of paper somewhere around you. So I want you to either circle or write down the area you're going to focus on today, all right? Go ahead. I want you to either circle or write down the area you're going to focus on. And while you're doing that, Emma's going to go to the next slide. This is out of Mark chapter 4. This is out of Mark chapter 4. All right, so just to get you guys up to speed here, Jesus has been telling a bunch of parables in the first part of Mark. He's telling a bunch of stories about the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like this. He's, he's preaching to all these people, and he's been preaching from a boat, and now he's about to tell his disciples to get in the boat because he wants to go somewhere else. All right? So you've picked your area. Where is their chaos? Where is their conflict? Let's into this story, and we're going to see what Jesus might want to say to that. It says, that day, the day he was teaching and preaching, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Remember, he's been in this boat. His disciples are fishermen, and it's their boat. And he says, let's go over to the other side, the other side of the sea, right, of Galilee. So leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. So other people have said, Jesus is going. We see something in this guy. We want to go, and we want to follow him. So then, verse 37, this is where it takes the turn, right? A lot of you guys know this story. It says, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat 
so that it was nearly swamped. Now that is a brief sentence to describe an incredibly scary thing. I was talking with some friends who went fishing in the Keys recently, and they were talking about the danger of seasickness. Has anybody ever been seasick? You ever been seasick? I've been seasick once, and it is horrible. Like, it is inescapable. I hated it. The only answer is getting on land, right? You cannot sort of adjust to it. It, it was brutal. Makes me nervous about that. This is not seasickness. This is like the perfect storm, if you remember that movie in the 90s. This is White Squall, if you guys ever saw that when you were growing up. This is giant waves breaking over what, what is a pretty small boat, with what, what is probably about a 12 to 18 foot boat, and just crushing these guys. Like, it was serious. Today at the Sea of Galilee, there are warnings in the parking lot that your car can get swamped and destroyed if there's a big storm. Gal the Sea of Galilee had huge storms, and so that's what's happening. I don't know if you've ever been, you've probably never, I don't think any of us have ever been in something like that, but waves crashing over the top of this small boat, right? A huge, furious storm, so much so that these guys are scared for their lives, we're gonna see, that they're thinking we might die. These are fishermen used to the water, thinking we might die. Right? Chaos is happening in their lives. And this is what it says Jesus was doing in verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Right? Not just sleeping, sleeping comfortably. Has arranged himself a spot in the middle of the storm to go to sleep. And the disciples wake him up and they say, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's a good question to ask in that moment. Why are you sleeping? Are you insane? Do you not care about what's happening all around us right now? So he gets up, says he rebukes the wind and the waves. He speaks to them. He says, quiet, be still, which sounds insane, but it works. The wind dies down and Mark tells us that it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Which feels like such a dumb question, doesn't it? Like, why do you think we were afraid? We thought we were going to die. But then he adds to it, and this is the real question. He says, do you still have no faith? Right? You still don't believe in me. They were terrified. Right? They were scared of the storm, but they're even more scared of the guy that looked at the wind and the waves and said, stop, and they stopped. It says they were terrified. He rebukes the storm, and then he kind of rebukes them. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Right? So, so this story, people in the midst of chaos, Right? And three specific questions allow that chaos to actually help these guys become who they're made to be in the first place. Right? Studies of social anxiety, which feels really chaotic if you've ever experienced it, studies in social anxiety say that it's, it's incredibly hard to stop yourself in the moment. But the way to calm yourself in the moment, the way to slow the sort of fight, flight, or fright reaction that you have, 
is through slowing down your thinking. Right? Thinking about how am I feeling right now? Thinking about why am I feeling this way right now? Have breathing right now and being an observer of your thoughts. Right? The Bible talks about this way. The Bible says that this way. It says, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things and the God of peace will be with you. Right? Be mindful in moments of chaos. Be aware. Ask the right questions. So three questions that I think help us grow and live fully in any conflict, in any, in any bit of chaos that we experience. And we see them in this story. The first one is this. Does God care? Does God care? This incredibly important question that we are often afraid to ask. Right? One of the things I love about the disciples is that they don't, they don't seem to know any better than to ask the right questions. Right? Something bad's happening. God, God in human form or who they believe to be God's Messiah and Savior seems to be doing nothing about it. And their question is, do you care? And I think a lot of times in our lives, what happens is something terrible, something bad, something difficult is happening in our lives. And we think that it is disrespectful to ask if God cares. Or we think it is useless. Or we think God doesn't care, so why would we ask in the first place? Because if God did care, we wouldn't be experiencing this storm. God would stop it. But being willing to ask God in the middle of your conflict if God cares is incredibly clarifying. Right? I remember uh, when uh, we didn't have any children, and we, we were trying to get pregnant. And if you've ever been through the process of trying to get pregnant, it is, it is agonizing, right? Month after month after month of wondering and waiting and no. And I remember what was, was ultimately a very short process compared to most people that we know that have struggled with that, but felt really, really long and difficult for us. I remember one Sunday morning, getting ready to go to church and being so mad that we had once again been disappointed and found out that we weren't pregnant. And I remember being so mad and, and really saying to God, having the conversation with God, saying, God, if I had your power and I could make Jane pregnant, I would do it. She is hurting she is upset. This isn't fair. I love her, and I would change this if I could. And you're supposed to love her, and you have not changed this. Why? And it was an uncomfortable prayer, and I didn't know what the answer was, and I didn't know if maybe God was just going to kill me right then and there for being so rude. But it was a clarifying moment in my relationship with God about who God loves and how God loves and why God loves and why God doesn't necessarily love the way that I think God should love all the time. 
And it changed my relationship with the Lord. And I could talk to you guys about the answers, but guess what? The answers don't matter to you because you don't need to know whether or, God, not, whether or not God cared about my thing. You need to know whether or not God cares about your thing. The thing that is happening to you or the thing that you see happening in our world or whatever it is, wherever you filled in that blank and you haven't asked, God, do you care? Because what's interesting is I don't think God cared about the storm all that much, right? He's asleep. Jesus was asleep in the storm. So I'm not sure that he cared about the storm, right? Maybe somebody needed the storm. Maybe somebody's crops were dry. And that mattered more. I don't know. But I know that Jesus cared about them. I know he cared about the disciples. I know he didn't bring them out on the sea to die in that storm. And that's what they forgot. Right? It wasn't God, do you care that it's storming? It was God, do you care about us in the midst of the storm? God, do you care? me in the midst of, you care about Jane in the midst of her being devastated month after month after month, because it doesn't look like you do. And so if you do, what's going on? And that leads to another question. If God's not worried, why am I? If God is in the boat with me in my life and God is not worried about what is happening, then why am I worried? And that leads to the next question, the question that Jesus asked the disciples, which here is translated, do you still have no faith? But in other passages that talk about this same thing, Jesus says to them, where is your faith? And I think that's a more clarifying question. Everybody has faith. They had faith, but their faith was in that storm to kill them. Right? Their faith was focused on the chaos and what the chaos could do to them. And so when Jesus says, do you still have no faith? He's recognizing that they have full faith that that storm's going to take them out. What they don't have faith in is Jesus in the boat with them. Right? So the second question is, what is my faith in? What is my faith in in the midst of this conflict? Right, I'm going to use the sort of social issues facing our country right now, right? How many times have you put your faith in a month on the calendar, i.e. November, because that's going to change everything? Good luck with that. Good luck with continuing to do that and be let down. Right, but, but you can apply it to any area in your life. Right? What is your faith in? Is your faith in your job to remain stable? Is your faith in the person that you're married to to finally be able to fully understand you? <laughs> yeah, it's not going to happen. Right? What's my faith in? What has my attention first and most right now in the middle of this conflict? Is it my kids' standardized test scores? Right? What has my attention first and most? Is it the plan that I had for my life? 
right? Was it was it the situation that I thought was going to go one way and it didn't go that way and now I don't know what to do? Some of us have sort of lived in this place where we think everything will all work out and then it has slowly started to not work out and we don't know what to do because our faith was in everything always working out. So the second good question that we can ask is, is what's my faith in in this moment? In this moment of chaos, what's my faith in? Do I believe God is who God says he is and will do what God says he will do? Do I believe that? Is that where my faith is founded? That God is who God says he is, and I'm using he, I apologize, I know God, male or female, God says he in the Bible, so, so I use it. Right. Anyway, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff behind that. There was a patriarchal society. I'm getting off track. Okay, so everybody just relax. Do I believe God is who God says He is, and that God will do what He says He will do? Right. Where's my faith? Here's the next question I want you guys to talk about. So I want you to think about your area. Nope. Is there one? Is there a slide before that? Okay. Just go to one before that. Sassy. What's your worst fear about your issue? Right? Their great fear was that the storm was going to crush them. But in the end, taking that fear to Jesus led them to probably the most important question that we can ask when it comes to chaos. Right? Which is, who is Jesus? Like, who is Jesus? I think the most clarifying question that you can ask in the midst of your conflict, whatever it is, is who is Jesus? If you have given your life to follow Jesus, if you've got in the boat metaphorically with Jesus and he's in the boat with you, then I think the most important question that you will ask in any conflict, in any moment, whether it's a fight in your marriage or trying to figure out long-term health, is who is Jesus? That's what they were wrestling with, and that's oftentimes what we're wrestling with is, who is Jesus really? Is Jesus just a nice guy who said nice things? Because if Jesus is a nice guy who said nice things, then this stuff's going to take you out. Whatever it is, it matters more. Right? Up to this point with the disciples, there was, there was a part of them that could have been like, Jesus is just a good storyteller. He just tells really good stories that teach you about life. And a lot of times, that's what Jesus is to us. We walk into church and we say, I'm going to hear a good story and, and I'm going to apply that to my life. And, and that's what Jesus is going to be. But guess what? Like, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? That's what Mike Tyson said, right? A good story works until life punches you in the face. And then it's not enough. But what if Jesus is the one who can command the world? Is the one who can bring peace in the middle of a storm? And what if Jesus is the one who ultimately can turn death into life? If Jesus is the one who does that, then Jesus makes the final call on anything we're experiencing, right? But even more than that, Jesus is the one who speaks peace in the storm, and Jesus is the one who brings death from life. But in, but in this moment, the thing that I, that I think uh, that, that God wants to say to us today 
is about where Jesus was going and why he decided to get in that boat and go through the storm in the first place. And what you'll find if you keep reading that story is that Jesus is trying to cross the Sea of Galilee to get somebody who has been tormented by a demon for most of their life and needs help. And the thing is, if you're going through a conflict or you're going through a crisis or, or you're going through chaos, I think the thing God wants to say to us specifically today is that Jesus is the one who, if you decide to get in the boat with him, will take you through a storm so somebody else can experience healing on the other side. Jesus is the one who will take you right through a storm because somebody else needs you to go through that storm so that they can be healed. That is part of following Jesus. And it is not a fun part. It is an incredibly scary part, and it is a part that sometimes makes you want to shake Jesus and say, do you even care about what's happening to me? And what Jesus wants to say to you is, he says, I do care about you, and I'm here with you in the midst of what you're going through so that we can go find someone that I'm not with right now so that they can experience this in here. Because the storm you see is the storm that they have in their life. And the peace I will speak to you is the peace that I want to speak through you to them. That's who Jesus is if we're going to follow him. He is not the one that makes life easy. He is not the one that allows us to avoid every storm. But it's not because he doesn't care about you. It's because he wants you to not just experience easy life. He wants you to experience life to the fullest. And storms are unavoidable in this world. They are unavoidable. And if you could avoid them, you would never become anything more than what you are today. But what if you could be that person, right? We know those people. What if you could be that person who weathered a storm and made it through a storm that would have killed anyone else? so that you could bring hope to people on the other side? What if you were the person who people looked at and they said, how can you be okay in the middle of this? You look like you're asleep. How are you okay? What if you were the one people started to ask the right questions to? What if you and I were the people? What if we, the church, were the people that people looked at in the middle of our world looking like it is burning down, people falling apart, marriages being wasted away, people struggling with anxiety and depression and suicide. What if we were the people that they looked at and they looked at us and they said, you're in the middle of a storm. How do you have hope? How do you have peace? How do you believe that something good is going to come out of this? What if we were that? That's the kind of people that we become when we really follow Jesus, right? Not people that always have our lives together, but people have a hold of the one who holds life, right? Our lives are not on hold in the middle of chaos. Our goodness is not postponed in the middle of chaos. But the way we live fully is that we become people who regularly ask these questions and we become people in a community of people who regularly ask each other those questions. And those are kind of the takeaways for today. Go ahead on. Last slide. 
right? That's how we start. That's how we start. That's why at Highlands we have you interact with each other, right? You're not, you're not supposed to be in a church community where you show up and nobody really gets to know about your life. That's not the point. The point is that we, that we ask these and we ask them in community and we get vulnerable with people who will ask them to us in the middle of our storms.